The RSVP Trust, changing lives around the world. So we talk tonight about is Christianity relevant? And it's a pleasure to come and share with you uh, to look at that. So that depends, doesn't it? I know when um, when somebody... I really came to faith because a friend of mine told me that someone got healed in their church. But as a little boy, uh, when I was in the Cubs, we had to go to church once a month, and it really was a deadly place. Uh, it was a place I was scared of. It smelled of musty prayer books. And so when I was in the pub... On this night, my friend told me that someone got healed at his church. I was really taken aback because I thought it was more likely you'd die in church. And I remember as a little boy, actually, one Sunday, I noticed this big plaque at the back of the church. uh, And it had hundreds of names on it. It said these were the people who died in the services. And uh, I, I always wondered, you know, what a dreadful service it must have been if so many people were dying in the church. So... So I grew up thinking that church was, you know, I saw the vicar taking funerals in the churchyard. Our church was in the town centre. And so I associated the church with death and irrelevance and things that were dead until my friend kind of gave me a bit more information about that. So if it's about dead religion, I think the premise of this question is right. It is completely irrelevant. Who wants to be part of a dead religion that doesn't change us, doesn't touches, doesn't transform us, and doesn't connect us with a God, if there is a God, if it doesn't connect us with him. Um, but I think what we need to ask, because the church won't save us and Christianity won't save us, if we're looking for someone to transform our lives, we need to uh, talk about Jesus. And so the question I want to address is, is Jesus relevant in this day and age, in 2011? Um, so as I grew up, I had that, on the one hand, the feeling that the church was irrelevant and of the past. But I also, uh, thankfully, because I went to a Church of England primary school, the vicar did come in and tell us the Bible stories and the teachers uh, in RE uh, with a little flannel graph, I think it used to be called, stuck a little, uh, it's going back a long time, young people won't know what that is. It's before we had projectors and stuff anyway. You cut out the little characters. And they told the Bible story. So I kind of heard the stories about Jesus and how he healed people and how he fed uh, 5,000 people. And I've always felt that if those stories were true and uh, if those things were real and Jesus was real and those things could happen today, well, obviously everybody, I thought, would be uh, quite interested in that. I don't know if you know, but every year the Bible is the best-selling book. In fact, it's such a foregone conclusion and is the best-selling book by miles and has been for years that most bestseller lists, if you, if you, you know, read a bestseller list, they don't even put the Bible on. It's like, obviously, the Bible's the bestseller. And I love it when I go in Waterstones or something, it has this year's best-selling book and it's some fictional novel. And I think, that, no, that's not strictly true. After the Bible, that might be the best-selling book, but year on year, the Bible sells more, far more than any other book. So it tells us that millions of people around the world think the Bible's uh, relevant. Um, When Jesus walked on the earth, people loved having him around. When he was here in the flesh, everyone liked, if you read the gospel stories, he was at weddings and things, 
Great to have him at a wedding, especially if you run out of wine or the bar closed. Uh, I mean, he just, you know, solved the problem. Didn't do funerals too well. Tended to make a mess of them because he raised the dead. So, uh, but, but people loved having him around. And lots of the Gospels uh, take place with Jesus at dinners and parties, uh, with rich people and poor people in the field feeding the 5,000. And uh, there's small conversations with his close uh, followers. And then there's kind of proclamation and preaching uh, to thousands of people. And why would thousands of uh, why would thousands of people listen to him if he was uh, irrelevant? If you just read through the Gospels and just listen to this list and see if you think he's relevant. He spoke about children and their fathers. He spoke about money and being in debt. He spoke about fishing. He spoke about living and dying. He spoke about marriage and divorce. He spoke about childbirth. He spoke about farming and the weather. He spoke about governments and corruption. He spoke about crime and punishment. He spoke about telling the truth and lying. He talked about sex and adultery. He spoke about food and wine. Sounds like this night's TV schedule, doesn't it, really? He spoke about tax and fairness. He spoke about work and rest. He spoke about jewellery and investments. He spoke about love and hate. He spoke about climate change. He said there'll be earthquakes in various places, famines and wars. He spoke about friends and neighbours and home and away. <laughs> but uh, it's hard to think of someone who's more relevant today. All those things are on the TV every day and in the newspapers. And he still speaks about them and has something to say. But Jesus put a very high value on people who believed, who had this thing called faith which the Bible tells us is believing something that you can't see. And uh, I just want to look at three statements that Jesus made about believing and its relevance. First of all, in Mark 9.23, Jesus said, if, if you can believe, so he accepts that some of us find it difficult to believe, but he says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And you see, that was one of the things that attracted me because when I was a little boy looking at the flannel graph and the fuzzy felt pictures of the gospel, I did think if that's true, if he was here today, that would be amazing. That miracles could happen and I could see them. I always thought that would be fascinating. So obviously that night when I was 17, having a beer in the pub and my friend said someone got healed at church, my ears pricked up. He had my attention. All things are possible to him who believes. And uh, I went to that church all those years ago, one Sunday morning. And uh, it's interesting, because I'm going to just close uh, shortly about how we take a step of faith. But I went to that church as a 17-year-old. I don't really remember too much about the service, but I was aware that the presence of God was there. It was like electricity in the air. It wasn't like the other church. It was a new church on a new estate. 
Anglican church, and they did communion, and there was some other stuff going on. And I just felt that God could be there. And I remember whispering under my breath, Jesus, if you're there, if you're real, come into my life. And uh, immediately he reminded me that when I was about 11, I'd gone to a children's club at another church, and someone had told us about Jesus and talked about inviting Jesus into our heart, into our life. And I'd stayed behind at the end and prayed a prayer with the pastor. But when he said, you have to come to church every Sunday, I thought, oh, it's about going to church. It's not, it's not the real thing I was looking for. But interesting, isn't it? To Jesus, a deal's a deal. And when I whispered that morning later as a 17-year-old, Jesus, if you're there, come into my life, I was immediately transformed back to when I was 11. And I, I, not audibly, but I heard very clearly Jesus say, when you asked me to come into your heart that day, I came. It's you that's been ignoring me. So if we can believe all things are possible. And in that church, week by week, we saw people over, over the months and years I was there, people come who were sick and get healed. Not everyone got healed, but lots of people got healed of all sorts of different things. And there are a couple of people, there was a GP who, uh, I don't know if I'd want her as my GP, she's come to be with the Lord now, but she used to say, a little Scottish lady, she used to say, we're all right with broken bones, doctors, but with everything else we're just guessing. And uh, so she used to pray over a patient, I mean she was, she had a, a, a practice in Oldham, so she had a lot of Muslim patients came and she prayed over them in tongues and all sorts of things happened. And I remember this lady came uh, whose legs were different lengths who struggled to walk and Dr. Betty praying and before my very eyes in someone's front room this leg grew. And I think I was convinced at that time that the miracles of the gospel could happen today through ordinary men and women. Not that Dr. Betty was ordinary, she, she was extraordinary, but, but the ordinary men and women. And then a second statement of Jesus is, uh, he says... Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So he connects prayer, talking with God. He connects that with the, uh, the miracles coming to pass. And he said there's, there's something for God to do, obviously the miracle, but there's something for us to do, and that's believe. And, uh, you know, we, we need to believe what we're praying for. And uh, I know when I used to be in charge of it, in the church for a prayer meeting in one parish every Wednesday, my heart sank because nobody, including me, came with faith. The church was cold. And we had what I call an organ recital. We just recited organs. We talked about Stan's kidney and Molly's heart and Susie's liver. And we just had an organ recital every week. And we didn't ask God what he, we wanted him to do with those things. We just said we remember Susie's liver and Gertrude's heart and, and, and I'm sure God thought, well, that's nice. What do you want me to do? But Jesus talked of another sort of prayer that expects an answer to prayer, that you believe in your heart, that you receive them as though you're, you're reaching through the curtain to take something from God. And so uh, I kind of pursued that um, that, that thing that we read of in the Gospels where Jesus shared about the kingdom, but miracles happened. 
It's side by side. The more I read the Gospels, I'm surprised there are churches that don't mention healing because almost everywhere that Jesus went, people got healed. And he, he spoke about the kingdom. In fact, says in Luke 9:16, uh, he welcomed the people, spoke about the kingdom, and healed those who were sick. Those are the three things that he did. Welcomed people, preached about the kingdom, and uh, healed the sick. And uh, a final verse from the Bible that talks about faith, um, which is in Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those that believe. In my name they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with tongues, and they'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So a couple of things about that that paragraph. One is that Jesus says that we need to be saved, and that we're saved for the life to come through believing in him. And that it's critical that we do that. And so tonight, um, if you've not taken that step, uh, here's the deal, there's one offer. Uh, there are other ways of exploring your faith, I'm sure. But I've um, some years ago, I wrote a little book called Life, What's That About? And towards the back, it, it has that prayer that I prayed when I was 11, inviting Jesus to come into our heart. And the few pages before that, just explore who Jesus is. So if you've never taken that step, I've got some copies here at the front. Just come and get one. Just uh, tap me on the shoulder or maybe, you know, I'll leave them on the table and you take them. And the one thing I'd ask if you do that is towards the back of the book is uh, our office address. So if you pray that prayer and ask Jesus to come into your life, I want you to write to me and tell me you've done that. And uh, I'm not going to send the heavies round. <laughs> But I'm going to pray for you. And it will just help me know that my prayers have been answered, that someone that didn't know Christ has found him. I think uh, faith is very relevant. And uh, over the last few years, uh, the last year I wrote a book on healing, which I was hoping to have here tonight, but the printing machine broke down, so it'll be Monday. Um, But it's interesting pursuing this healing of Christ now it fits in with his kingdom and uh, God has really uh, given me the privilege of seeing many people healed, the blind people seeing a lady in Blackpool who was blind for 25 years Um, and of course God never does it how you want him to do it, wouldn't it be great if you came forward, Don Egan the evangelist laid hands on you and you immediately saw wouldn't that be great, but it doesn't happen like that very often, Uh, so she came forward, nothing happened and uh, we had coffee. It was a meeting not dissimilar to this. We had coffee. And as she was being led out through the foyer, her sight came back. Uh, 25 years registered blind. She still writes to me. And when I go up to Blackpool, she brings all her uh, blind friends <laughs> to the meet. No pressure, no pressure. But, but she brought one called Brian, who interestingly had the same eye disease that, she, that Irina had. And uh, I, I did feel a bit of pressure, but I thought, no, it's Jesus is the healer. The pressure's on him, it's not on me. And uh, Brian didn't get healed when he was here. He didn't get healed at the door, and he didn't get healed when he got home. But when he woke up next morning, he could see. Uh, and so God's a, a powerful God. My friend uh, Brian, his uh, daughter comes to our church, and uh, he discovered he got prostate cancer. And there's a PS 
PSA test, prostate-specific antigen count test, and he'd had it, and he'd had it just as a sample because of his age. He didn't think there was anything wrong with him, and if you're under five, I think it is, you, you don't have cancer and there's no problem. But his was 8.7, and so he got called in and they said, you, you have got prostate cancer. And they looked, they couldn't operate because it was too spread out. He went for a subsequent test and it was 18.9 or something. And they basically said, you've had your chips and you've got about six months to live. Get your affairs in order. And at that point, his daughter found me. And we went round to her house and we prayed with him. I didn't, have, I didn't have much faith when he told me the story. On that day, I didn't have much faith for a headache. But he came, Brian came. And uh, he had faith, the guy had faith. I could see he had faith. And in fact, he brought a loaf of bread and a bottle of wine. He said, before we pray, we'll break bread and just be with the Lord. I thought, this guy's got faith. And so he lifted our faith, our belief. And uh, we prayed with him. And he's since had a subsequent PSA test that's, that was, uh, came up as 001, 0.001. And it doesn't, the machine won't go lower than that. And, uh, he said to the, he said to the nurse, so does that mean I don't have cancer? And she went quiet for a bit and said, do you pray? <laughs> and he said, yes. And she said, yes. We tend to find this happens to people who pray. Um, and uh, that's interesting, isn't it? So uh, I think it's not only is Jesus relevant, but I think we absolutely need him to understand and be part of this life. And certainly we need him. Uh, the Bible says that there's no way to heaven uh, except Christ. Without him, we can't be born again or see the kingdom. So we need to come to him. And he's made it very, very simple. And so I'm going to just say a prayer now for you, especially if you want to ask Christ to come into your life. And then when I've done that, if you want prayer for healing, uh, which what could be more relevant, um, I'm going to ask you to come and stand here. And uh, just like, uh, just like uh, we heard in, in that last verse, it says those who believe will lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. And uh, that's what we're going to do. I'm just going to lay a hand on, on your shoulder. I'm currently reading a book, just before we pray, by a man called Smith Wigglesworth. How many of you heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Quite a few, I should think, yeah. If you don't know him, he was, uh, he was originally literate, Yorkshire plumber and he learnt to read his wife taught him to read through reading the Bible and uh, he developed this very powerful healing ministry and uh, the thing that is noticeable about him one of the ways of uh, get praying with people is he would thump them in the stomach uh, which is quite a shocking one I just want to reassure you that, that I don't have that anointing and uh, the, the most amazing story I heard of him was uh, they brought a dead man to one of his meetings and uh, he told them to stand the corpse up against the church wall and he punched this guy around the face and the dead man fell down and he said pick him up and he, he smacked him on again and he fell down again he did this six times and he said pick him up and he thumped him again and the guy came back to life and uh, it's an unusual sort of ministry isn't it I'm glad I don't <laughs> So I was telling that story in a chapel last Sunday near Colchester. And again, I was reassuring people that I don't have that anointing. 
And a young man came up to me at the end, uh, and he said, I've come because I had uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. I've tried all sorts of things, can't get rid of it. And he said, you know you said you don't thump people in the stomach. He said, when you very gently laid your hand on my shoulder, I felt God thump me in the stomach, and I feel it's gone completely. So God might thump you in the stomach. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. What I do know is that God's power is here to heal. So first of all, as I said, let's just... um, I think what I'll do is I'll read this prayer from this book, Life, What's That About? And uh, you may just feel that you're kind of there and ready and I don't really know the Lord and want him to come into my life. And uh, these words are not magic. It's just a, a prayer that we've prayed and you can pray something like this. Let's just be quiet and close our eyes. And just in the quietness of your heart between you and God, if you've never given Jesus that invitation to come into your heart, to have that personal relationship with him, maybe just echo this prayer line by line after me. Dear Jesus, I want to know you today. Please forgive me for the past, for all the things I wish I hadn't done, and for all the good things I wish I had done but didn't. I believe you gave your life on the cross for me. I now give my life to you. Come into my life today. Come in as my saviour to save me. Come in as my Lord to direct me. Come in as my friend to be with me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me a new life. And I will serve you for the rest of my life. I receive you now by faith. Thank you. I am born again. Amen. Hi, thanks for listening today. If you prayed that uh, prayer asking Christ to come into your life, I'd love to hear from you. And uh, I'd be happy to send you uh, the small booklet I mentioned, Life, What's That About? Free and post-free anywhere in the world. Uh, So email me at don at rsvptrust.co.uk or by mail RSVP Trust, P.O. Box 55, Stowmarket, Suffolk, IP141UG, England. Thanks. I'd love to send you that book and also to pray for you in your newfound faith. Thanks. Bye. The RSVP Trust, changing lives around the world.